You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Thank you for joining us on Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. It is always a pleasure to welcome the director of Broward County Libraries, One of our greatest resources for programs that encompass education for all ages, and they embrace diversity, inclusivity, and underserved populations, as well as fun events also for all ages. To find out what's happening during May and getting into June, I welcome once again, Allison Grubbs. Good morning. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Ellen. I love to talk to you and hear about what's happening at the library. And I'm really excited just to start things off with a fun topic because June 16th, Dave Barry is joining you. Yes, I'm so excited. He is such a treasurer and a historian, if you will, a comic historian of South Florida. I think he probably invented Florida Man before anybody else thought about Florida Man. (laughs) He just he always had the ability to capture the crazy in South Florida and make you appreciate it and enjoy what is so unique about us. And I understand he has a new novel coming out. He sure does. It is his first novel in a decade. The title is Swamp Story. And I cannot wait to share Dave with our community. He is actually going to be coming to our main library to talk about Swamp Story. Fabulous. So an in-person event. Will it be filmed or Facebooked or anything virtual at all? Yes, we are going to be recording it so that those who can't join us can absolutely watch after the fact. But I cannot tell you how thrilled I am for this rare opportunity to meet the original OG Florida man. Uh, You're going to love him. Just such a nice human being, in addition to being brilliant and funny. So this is June 16th at the main library. Do you need reservations? Because I've got to think that a lot of people are going to want to come and see Dave. Unfortunately, we're still a good month out. How would someone be sure that they can get a seat at the main library? So there are a couple of different ways. Please register so that we can make sure we have a seat for you. You can go to our website at Broward.org slash library, or you can call your local library. You can find that number at the website that I just listed, or you can come in and chat with your local librarian and we will get you registered to see this wonderful event. And to clarify, there's never a charge for what you do at the library, right? Absolutely not. This will be 100% free. Okay. Now, even before you get to that, I know you've got your summer learning program starting for kids with school almost out. When does that get underway? And what's the process again for signing children up for the summer programs? Oh, our official kickoff is going to be on Saturday, June 3rd with our Children's Book Fest. And I am so thrilled. It's our 18th annual Children's Book Fest. And it is our extravaganza to kick off 
summer library program. And, you know, we invite everybody in the public of all ages to come and sign up. And what we do is you set your goal. We track your reading. You engage with books at a level that you might not during the rest of the year. And then as you complete your challenges, you'll win lovely little incentives or be entered to win grand prizes. And this really goes a long way to help stop that summer slide that we always hear about with kids forgetting what they've learned. And this way, even though if it's not necessarily what they were studying in school, it just keeps their brains sharp, right? Absolutely. It really keeps them at the level of where they were when school ends in May. And it means that when they start school in the fall, they are not needing to spend time to get back up to their reading level so that they can start school, hit the ground running, right? Right. So this leads me to something that has been a little bit of a controversial topic, but you being in the book industry, I have to ask with the issues about call it book bans or removing certain books from school library shelves. You know, I've seen so many different stories. You know, one week I'm reading that, oh, they want to ban the author of romances. And then I read that, no, it's only certain things that they're taking off the school shelves. Can you clarify what the real situation is that's happening with books and parents who are saying they think certain books are inappropriate and the governor wanting books removed from certain shelves? Sure. So it is a very nuanced and difficult and emotional topic for many people. And it is one that is near and dear to my heart, not only as director of Broward County Libraries, but also just as a book lover in general. Um, You know, stories take us to new places. They introduce us to new worlds. They mirror ourselves so that we can see ourselves in these fantastical lands, or they open a window and allow us a moment of empathy and humanity by exposing us to a life that we don't live. And that could be through exploring through the eyes of a narrator who is a different gender or a different sexual orientation or a different ethnicity. So it really gives us the opportunity to grow as a human being by reading these stories. When these stories are suppressed, when you cannot access them, that's where my concern lies. And we're seeing quite a bit of that in our schools. And, you know, my response, I'm not part of the school district. So we are separate as our public library. So I am committed to ensuring that we have any title that is suppressed, any story that is silenced, any author that is removed. I am committed to making sure that we have additional copies of that title in our collection so that if you do have the opportunity to make it to your local library, you can read that book. And I understand you've officially called the libraries book sanctuaries. Yes. So book sanctuaries is actually a nonprofit organization that was started a year or two ago by the Chicago Public Library. 
And it was their endeavor to ensure that we create a safe space for these stories, that it be both a physical and a digital safe space for people to really explore the world around them. Are there any kind of topics? I mean, the way it was explained in at least one story is that some of the schools had books that were encouraging children to engage in sexual activity. Now, again, I haven't seen those books for myself. I find it hard to believe that the schools would carry books like that. But is that something that you would have where it's an age appropriate section that, you know, children should not be accessing this kind of book, but it's okay for adults? So that is uh, a very loaded question. Um, I do not believe that the schools had it that way either. Often these stories were instructional or educational texts. You know, when you're in school, your body is going through changes. You often have questions and not everybody has parents who can educate them or who are willing to educate them on what is happening. And so they have to figure it out on their own. Mm -hmm. And the way they do that is through their school library so that they have answers that are safe for what is happening to them. You know, hormones are just running rampant through their bodies. (laughs) They're, you know, changing daily. I just, I think back at that time and am grateful that I did have my school library to answer questions for myself. And that, you know, my parents had the opportunity to let me figure this out at the library. Right. And that opportunity is being taken away. So in terms of it being age appropriate at the public library, parents are responsible for what their children check out at the library. And so we do have everything in age appropriate sections. Okay, perfect. And, you know, you have told me that May is Jewish Heritage Month at the Broward County Libraries. It's also Mental Health Awareness Month, Asian American Pacific Month. It's a lot of different kinds of months. But there was a time when books about the Holocaust were not allowed to be on bookshelves because there were Holocaust deniers. So it's like everything comes full circle. What exactly are you doing in honor of Jewish Heritage Month? Oh, my goodness. So we have some wonderful events that are happening throughout many of our libraries, and I wanted to share a few of those. Um, We are having at our Lauderdale Lakes Library, we have an incredible exhibit on our Jewish American Heritage Month. And then finally, we have an author visit of Mort Leitner at our Davy Cooper City Library, and he is going to be discussing his book, A Hebraic Obsession. So that is just a tiny, teeny little drop in the bucket of all of the events that we will be having at our libraries to celebrate Jewish Heritage Month. As I mentioned in the beginning, you are so wonderful at embracing diversity and you are inclusive to all at all ages and have services for people of every economic range. 
And I just so appreciate how you are running things at the Broward County Library and your honesty and willing to take a stand on what can be potentially controversial issues. Is there anything else you want us to know about things coming up at the library? Thank you so much for your kind words, Ellen. And the final thing that I would really like to share is that we have coming up, uh, check out our African-American Research Library. We have several events for Haitian American Month and Emancipation Day uh, for Florida. And check out our Director's Book Club. We are doing a book for Asian American and Pacific Islander Month, and the book is titled The Making of Asian America, and it is absolutely phenomenal, eye-opening, and while dense, it is an easy read. So I really hope people will join me for that. Um, and I know all of that is on your calendar at Broward.org slash library. But I have to ask you, you, you have your book clubs every month and you find these fascinating books. How many books do you personally read <laughs> every month? Oh, my goodness. Uh, so that varies. Um, but I read anywhere between 20 and 30 books a month. Wow. I'm, I'm envious. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That's like a book a day. Well, kudos to you. Um, Thank you. And because I know that you're making time for that. It's not like you have nothing else to do with your life as director of how many branches are there? 37? 38. 38. Okay. As director of 38 branches of the library and then keeping on top of all of these programs and services that you offer, your time, I'm sure, is limited. So thank you for making the time to vet these books and then choose the best to have as your director's book club, which is a treasure. And people really, if you've never joined a book club, never been part of one, this is the one to join with Allison Grubbs, director of Broward County Libraries. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today on Community Focus. And I look forward to talking to you again in the next month. Thank you so much, Ellen. Look forward to next time. I am so happy to welcome back the president and CEO of NAMI Miami, Susan Holtzman. Susan, thank you for joining us two weeks in a row. We spoke briefly last week. We wanted to focus on the NAMI Walks Miami. It was yesterday, and we didn't really have enough time, unfortunately, to talk about your programs and how you're helping people in the community with mental illness. But first of all, congratulations on an amazing day yesterday. I understand the turnout was enormous. It was enormous, and it was an amazing day. Thank you so much. We're just so grateful to everyone who donated funds and who donated their time and came and enjoyed the amazing day with us. I think we accomplished our goals of certainly fundraising and building awareness and acceptance within the community. I love that word, acceptance, because that's been such a problem with people acknowledging that they have an issue with mental health. And, you know, I remember last week you mentioned COVID and how there was a lot of anxiety in the country, in the world. And I think if there's any positive that came out of it, it's that we all had a common experience and pretty much everyone had some sort of anxiety or depression related to the pandemic, whether it was from being locked up or losing a job or just the fear of becoming ill or having a loved one become ill. 
So I think that sort of made it more okay for people to acknowledge, yeah, I'm depressed. I had a really rough time during this. And now understanding that to acknowledge that there are any number of things in our lives that can cause that feeling. What do you do at NAMI to help people who are experiencing any kind of mental illness? Well, we have so many programs that are helpful. I mean, first of all, if you feel like, just feel like something's wrong, but you're not sure where to turn, you can call our helpline and the helpline number is 305-665-2540. Or you can go to our website, nummymiami.org and take a look around and see our programs and what might be interesting to you. There's a lot of just information so you can sort of get your feet wet and start understanding a little bit more maybe what you might be experiencing. Um, We have programs that support people and families who are experiencing mental health challenges. So we have a peer recovery, we have multiple peer recovery support groups. So that's people who are living with mental illness, want to talk to people like them, want to share experiences, share resources. And so we offer multiple peer groups throughout the month. And then we have them for specifically for different groups. We have them for young adults. We have them for adults. We also have family support groups. So if you have a family member who is living with or experiencing a mental health challenge, then you can talk to other families that are experiencing this because, you know, these affect everyone. So you can go to a family support group, find out how other families are coping, also what resources they're taking advantage of, because, you know, it's a whole world they're navigating the mental health care system. So that's part of the value of these family support groups. And then we have parents and caregivers of youth support groups. We have support groups that are specific to certain populations. You can see more information about that on our website. And then we have educational outreach that we're very proud of. One of the most successful that we have is something called Ending the Silence. And this is focused on youth. And what we do in Ending the Silence is we talk about mental health and mental health challenges. We talk about the warning signs of of what a real mental health or mental illness experience might be. We help people to identify the difference between what would be reasonable or normal anxiety and feeling low the difference between that and severe anxiety and depression or another type of mental illness or mental health condition. And then we have a peer, a NAMI peer, which is someone who is living with a mental health condition and is willing to share their experience. And when we focus this on youth, we have young people talking to them, sharing their own experiences with their own mental health conditions. Uh So that's our Ending the Silence program that helps reduce the stigma. It helps open up that conversation. That's right now focused on middle school and high school age children. We're in schools, we're in other youth organizations. And now we're expanding that to staff, so people who interact with young people, and then we're expanding it to family. This is fantastic. It really is. Where do you find young people who are, first of all, dealing with something and willing to talk about it and learn how to, I guess, moderate the group? Well, we have our professional facilitators. So we have staff members who are trained and they do the moderation and then the peers share their stories. And you would be 
amazed at the strength of these young people who volunteer to share their stories. And we did have someone at the walk giving us what we call a NAMI moment and sharing her story. And we get volunteers from all over the place. We do have NAMI on campus chapters. We have an active chapter at the University of Miami. They get involved and then they're willing to volunteer and share their stories to other young people. Um, We had a children's mental health summit in partnership with the mayor's office. And we had mental health professionals from the schools hear one of these peers speak and share her story. And it was very impactful. So that's a very impactful program, and it's one of the easier ones, actually, that we have for getting volunteers to share their experience. Young people, we have seen, have become very open about sharing about these challenges. I'm really Mm -hmm. curious about the Children's Mental Health Summit, because we've been hearing so much about young people committing suicide, and it's almost like a contagion where a child is having difficulty. They see that someone else has done it. So they say, "Okay, that's the out for me because I don't know any other way to cope. How can someone recognize if someone, if a child or a teenager is that seriously depressed or having that much difficulty that they're considering ending their life? Well, that's another program that we offer. We offer a program called QPR, and that's a suicide awareness and prevention program. And we have trained speakers who will come to your organization, your church, your business. We're going to a lot of businesses right now, and we're happy to go to more and share this QPR training. So that helps you to recognize the signs of someone who may be contemplating suicide, maybe having suicidal ideation, and give some strategies for how to interact with that person, how to um, help them maybe rethink and move towards a different solution. Of course, the ultimate solution is for them to get professional help. We're not suggesting that anyone that we train can then become mental health professionals. But when you may be the first interaction or the first person that notices, we want to help people understand what to look for and how they can maybe guide that person towards getting help. So again, that is our QPR program. And if you're interested in having us present that program to your group, and that could be your school, your business, your church, um, please give us a call and we'll schedule and come out and work with you on that. We did one at the University of Miami with their development team. Now, is that, do we call the regular line, the 305-665-2540? Yes. Okay. 305-665-2540. Is there somewhere on the website where you have information about your outreach into the community as well? We do. If you go to NamiMiami.org, you can see information on the Ending the Silence program and on the QPR suicide prevention training. Okay. When we talked last week uh, before the walk, you mentioned that you always need volunteers. In what capacity do you need volunteers and what kind of training would be required or what kind of traits are you looking for in someone? Well, we use volunteers in everything that we do. So um, every program that we offer be it the um, peer support groups, the family support groups, the ending the silence. We use as many volunteers as possible. We train them to be facilitators if they have the time to do that. And but what we are looking for is people who have some experience with 
mental health issues, be it their own or be it a family member or a friend or an organization that they've been involved in. So some kind of lived experience. Uh, Most of the staff here have that kind of lived experience. I myself have family members. I lost a sister to suicide, another Mm. one to a chronic mental illness that Mm. left her living on the street. So uh, I mentioned those because I want to make sure that that I'm being true to our mission as to to be able to talk about these things and not feel that there's a stigma around that. And also to let everyone know that nothing surprises us. Yeah. You know, There's a lot that happens and nothing surprises the team here. So we want people that can communicate in that way, people who are willing to be able to draw from their own experience. And if someone is ready to volunteer, again, call the phone number or go to the website. Either way, there's a contact spot on the website or you can call us. What can the community do to help NAMI Miami with its mission, aside from volunteering or businesses having you come out and do presentations. Are there other ways that we can support your efforts in the community to help, again, end the silence and remove the stigma associated with mental health issues and help people get the help they need? Well, you know, the first thing to do, I would say, is if this is an issue in your life, then participate in one of our groups. In a peer support group, we also have a program called Family to Family. That's the first thing that I participated in. um, And that's a, I think it's actually once a week for six weeks, you meet with other families through a guided program that helps explain the whole landscape of mental health, mental illness, causes, um, how it's dealt with, navigating the systems so that we become versed in the language. That was extremely helpful to me. And I know to all of the other families that were in the group I was in. So one, I would say participate. Participate in one of our groups if it would be of value to you and we think it would be of value to most people. Two, I would say, um, certainly we always are looking for um, contributions, financial contributions to the work we do volunteer if at all possible. And then the other thing I'm going to say is if everyone who is listening to this could tell five people about what they heard today, that NAMI is here, that NAMI is is a resource for you when you're dealing with mental health conditions or you are a family member or a loved one. Um, share the information, let people know that we're here, and that would be an extremely helpful way too. Okay, that's a great action plan. Participate, contribute, volunteer, tell five people. All the information, again, is at NAMIMiami.org. If someone has a more serious illness that requires medication or psychiatric assistance, can you refer someone to the appropriate organization or a psychiatrist for help? We certainly can. We can't make specific referrals like to a specific psychiatrist, but we can make referrals to many of the mental health organizations and providers that exist across the counties that we serve. So, yes, we can definitely provide um, direction towards mental health resources. Okay, And I do want to give the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. This is something that just came up in the last what I think last year, I believe, uh, 988, Mm -hmm. three digits. That's it. 988. If you are having thoughts of hurting yourself, or you know someone who is thinking about that, just call that number. And if you want to be part of any of these local peer groups or volunteer, or just need to talk to someone, 305-665-2000. 
2540 for NAMI Miami. Susan Holtzman, President, CEO. See, it just flows off. It's only been a couple of weeks and it's already. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just congratulations on the position and thank you for taking on the responsibility. It's, It's a big job and you sound totally ready for it. When you mentioned your personal experience, it's heartbreaking to hear that and to know the background of why, you know, what motivates you you know, giving back. Again, Susan Holtzman, President, CEO of NAMIMiami.org. Thank you for everything you are doing in the community. And I look forward to speaking to you again. Thanks so much for having me. Remember, we're here for for you, for everyone. And thank you for listening to Community Focus this morning. If you have questions about today's show or would like to suggest a topic, please feel free to email me at ellen.jaffe, J-A-2-F-1-E, at cmg.com. Join us again next Sunday for an all-new edition of Community Focus and have a wonderful day. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.